Hello and welcome to the She Leads Her Life podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Schneider, and I fight, I am meeting for the first time Mary Jo from Port to Palm. Many of you probably know her from her Instagram following, and we have tried to start a few times and we just keep chatting, which is so fun and just finding another kindred spirit to talk to, but I promise we are going to get this episode started as you know, I like doing short introductions and getting right to the meat of the session, but I am so excited to have Mary Jo here with us, sharing her story, sharing her heart, and welcome to the podcast, Mary Jo. If you could just introduce yourself to our listeners, I know they're so excited to hear from you today. Oh, Jenna, thank you so much for having me, for reaching out. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. And we have been talking for the last 10 minutes and you're like, let's go, let's go. We got to get this started. This is good stuff. Um, but I'm just glad to be here. I'm glad to meet you. I'm glad to connect with you. Um, I do feel like we might be very much kindred spirits. So I'm sure this conversation will go really well. Um, but what about me? My God, it's a big, big box of nonsense, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm a mom from, north of Boston, three children. Um, Jackson's my oldest. He's 12. I'm sorry. Oh my God. He's not 12. Why did I just say that? He is, uh, Jackson is 15. Reese is 12. Yeah. And um, our little guy, Bryce is five. So for the last 15 years, I've been a stay-at-home mom yeah. raising three, um, three rambunctious children. Um, I have a husband, Bryce. We've been together for 18 years yeah. and they're my everything. They're all that really actually matters to me. I love that. I'm right there with you. And, you know, I have followed you for a while, Mary Jo, and I'm always just inspired by even though the little things that you show. And I have found a lot of times you show small pieces of nature or things that you're noticing in your day-to-day, -day, and it's such a good reminder for me to stop and smell the roses and notice the beauty. What are... I would love to hear what are things, simple things in life that you find beautiful? Mm. You know, it's time spent with family. I'm realizing that more than ever, you know, especially this pandemic in the last two years. Um, I've seen my children grow up really, really fast in front of my eyes and having the last two years where they've been home much more. I've had even a bigger magnifying glass and how quickly time passes it's very, very dear and precious to me. Um, you know, I've, I've been told so many times over the years, I think every mom with little kids has been told, you know, don't blink or, you know, it, it goes by so fast. And, and I've always been super cognizant of that. I've seen it. I've had the blessing of being home with them and raising them um, the, best I, the best I can. Um, I fall short many, many times. But um, more than anything, I see that time passing so, so quickly. So if anything... When I share moments, um, whether it be in nature or small little things that they do at the house um, or time spent, it, that's really that's really what's most important to me. Um, yeah. So sharing that, and I think that's probably why I'm drawn to you so much, is because if I can just be frank, a lot of times I feel like certain areas that people focus on, especially on social media maybe don't necessarily always align with my values or what, you know, I really think is important. And I feel that in your heart. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You know, before we dig a little deeper, I would love to hear what is Port to Palm and how did that evolve? Yes. So um, I've always been a huge 
share, overshare. Um, I like to think that I'm an extrovert, but I know this pandemic has actually shown me that I'm a little bit of an introvert too. But um, I've always been an oversharer. Um, I think, what was it, MySpace? I don't even, yes! was it MySpace? Yes! Was kind of like the original. Maybe there was something before MySpace, but um, I can remember when MySpace came on or, um, yeah, I don't know if it was Yahoo, I am, or whatever it was. I've always been um, an overshare and I've always um, been a connector of sorts. I love to connect people. So um, whether it be Facebook came along after that, I, oh, I jumped right on Facebook, started oversharing on Facebook, whether it be just stuff with the family. Um, this is well before the blog blogging was ever a thing or, or um, influencers were ever a thing. Um, so I've always kind of really been into social media. Um, but at the root of it, I do think is because I'm internally like a connector of some sort. Um, and then when Instagram came around, I immediately went on Instagram, loved the picture sharing aspect of it um, and the art aspect of it. And then um, about five years ago, when we bought the Bees Nest, which is our vacation property, uh, rental property down in Charleston, South Carolina, um, we did go back and forth whether to put it on VRBO, how are we going to market this new property that we were going to, that was going to be available for rent. And so um, we looked into VRBO, we looked into Airbnb, we looked into some management websites. How are we going to market this property? Um, and five years ago is really when I feel like Instagram went from like zero to 60. It might have gone from zero to 60 even before that. Sure. But I think five years yeah. ago is really when people, yeah. if you're going to utilize it for your business, people really were jumping in. Um, mommy bloggers were becoming a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and so five years ago, when we bought the house in Charleston, I said, you know, Instagram is definitely this place where you can market things. And I said, I think we should start putting um, this rental property on Instagram. Let's just start showing photos of it. Right. I'll document our travels um, with our family from Boston yeah. um, down to Charleston, which the two towns and the, the name Port de Palm comes from. Newburyport, which is the town we live in that's a little north of Boston, Newburyport. And then the town that's just east of Charleston is Isla Palms, which that's where our house is down there. And so Port, Newburyport, Isla Palm, Port to Palm. I love that so much. I just got it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm slow to that, but that's so creative. Yeah. We were on our way back from Charleston after buying the house. We decided we weren't going to use all these other sites. We were just going to use Instagram to like kind of market it. And Bryce said, what about Port to Palm? Like it's, it, it's cheesy, but it was really like these two destinations that we were traveling between all the time. And we were at that point, we weren't just showing photos of the house. We were showing a lot of our family travels. Um, and the moment I started doing that, we started having, you know, growth interest in the house, obviously, but a lot of interest in our family too. Um, and that's kind of how Port de Palm was started. That's how it got momentum a little bit. Um, I did quickly realize that the best way to um, grow the account was to partner with bigger bloggers. And so that's what we did. And so for the last five years, um, I've been able to connect to some really, really great people on Instagram that have been, that have been like almost a little bit of a catalyst to help us grow the account. And and grow our um, our rental market down there. It's been it's been great. And now some of those people that have helped us grow the account have also become really good friends of mine, which is like such a blessing because it's kind of like we rent the property. I've made a lot of good new good friends. I mean, I, I feel like in the last now I'm rambling, but in the last five years that I've been consistently using social media, I have connected to some of my greatest friends I've actually ever had. Um, which really is wild. Such a blessing. When you yeah, I, it, I, 
it's not, it's not to disservice, like disservice any friendships that I've had my whole life. I have so many beautiful friendships, but I really have been able to meet a lot of women and, and people that, um, I'm deeply connected to through, through social media. Yeah. We hear people like you, Jenna, people yeah. like you, like, <laughs> you know, I know it's taken even five years, but I'm still crossing paths and having the blessing of meeting people that are like the, the, um, conversations are so fluid and it's like, there's no barriers. It's, it's almost like speed dating on crack or something. I don't know. You know? <laughs> so much. So, well, and I also anyways, think- that's the long way of sharing where Port to Palm yeah, kind of started. That's such the evolution a of it. story. And I love the idea behind it and the name. It's so creative. Um, Thank you. You know, you had said that you are a mom to three kiddos. And I know it's really hard to just like, we could have probably hour after hour after hour conversation about this, but what do you feel like big picture? What has motherhood taught you throughout the years? Well, I think we touched upon this just a few minutes ago, but how quickly time passes. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the things, how precious time is, has, um, I think that's what it's taught me the most. Patience. Yeah. <laughs> Patience is obviously, I think every mother would probably say it's taught us patience. Um, and more importantly, it's taught me love. Um, you know, I love my husband very dearly. And, um, but when I had my son Jackson, there was a love like I had never known before. Um, the floodgates opened and I, I do have some very strong maternal instincts. Yeah. And, um, and with each birth, each child that I had, um, Jackson, Reese and little Bryce, it, it, in abundance of love, it has taught me like how, how deeply, deeply I love them and, and, and how deep I love the world and people around me. And, you know, it just, it's being a mother has been the, the biggest lesson in my life and by far it surpasses anything else. Yeah. And what a blessing <laughs> it is to your kiddos to have you in their life. To be- yeah. You know, I'm crazy too though, Jenna, you know, that, <laughs> I mean, you must, you must sense that I'm sure. I am, you know, I'm, I'm real, I, I'm stern with my kids and I, you know, and I'm trying to instill really deep rooted core values of, of kindness and love and compassion and empathy. Um, these are things that I, I, I implement with them every single day. Um, but I shoot them straight too. I talk a lot about the world around us and what's going on. Um, and again, my kids have a little bit of a, a gap in between each one, six, uh, 15, 12 and five. And so um, I'm, I'm sometimes feel like in, in it's boy, girl, boy. And so I, sometimes I feel like I'm in three different worlds, but I try to really be brutally honest with the kids. I try to not, you know, candy coat everything that's going on in the world. I try to just, and I, I fall short of a lot, a lot of things, but um, motherhood is the one thing that is far surpasses any other, yeah. any other privilege in my life. It's you been know, an honor to be their mom. Having that conversation. So if I'm being honest, that is something that I struggle with mm. is sugarcoating, is mm. trying to keep them in a bubble. And I know mm. that's not always healthy and that's probably, that's something that I'm working on, right? I think we'll get a little bit into this, but I am an empath to the nth degree. So even watching mm. the news can make me mm-hmm. like, fall into a puddle of tears and feel mm-hmm. like it's hopeless and what are we going to do and you know mm-hmm. I tend to start focusing on that so I know I tend to like block some of that out for my kids but it's like 
how do we find that balance of wanting our kids to like see the world and experience the world but then also i turn into mama bear and want to protect their little hearts mm -hmm. even though i mean my oldest is 11 and um annabelle's eight i know they need to be exposed to this i'm really struggling mm -hmm. with like how do i find that balance as mm -hmm. a mom yeah how how and when right how yeah. and when what, what what's the age appropriate I mean, balance is one of the hardest things I think and people talk about balance all the time. I'm like, man, I, I'm not sure I know what that is or I've ever had balance in my life. I think balance is a tricky thing for moms, um, parents, raising children, especially in this world, especially in the last couple of years. This stuff is really heavy that we're experiencing all of it. I mean, if your head is up and you're looking around and if you do dabble in watching the news, it's, it's a lot. Um, and then to share that and make sure your kids are aware and whatever, how much of it, what's age appropriate, all of these things. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't have a clear answer for that for sure. Um, my older one, Jackson, I, we do, we do talk a lot about a lot of things now. He's at the age where if he doesn't hear it from us, he's going to hear it from friends. He's going to yep. hear it from, from, um, you know, his social media or he'll, he'll, hear things at school, you know, it, he's, a, he's a teenager. He'll be exposed to a lot more. So the last couple of years, he's really, you know, we really let him in on a lot. We have a lot of tough conversations with them. Um, but, you know, Reese, our, our middle one, same thing. She's coming right up to that teenage years too. So we, you know, we kind of start letting down those or, or popping the bubble a little bit. Yeah. Not that I don't think we should protect our children and have them see all the good in the world because there is so much. But like if you said, if they don't learn it from us, they're going to learn it from somebody else. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. the world that we live in. And balancing, showing them, you know, or, or teaching them, you know, sharing with them all the good and, and some of the bad, you know, yeah. got to give Absolutely. them more hope and, yeah, and, and turn off the news. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. I have a question for you. So I, I think I learned this from Jen Hatmaker in a book that I had read of hers. And she talks about there are spicy families and there are sweet families. Yeah. Our family is definitely spicy. Like okay. we love really big, but we also have lots of big emotions. We have yeah. two girls, 11 and eight. Um, my poor husband is kind of like the stabilizer of all three of us. But would you say your family tends to lean a little more spicy, a little more sweet, a mix in between. What does that family dynamic kind of look like? We're spicy as hell. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're my people. <laughs> did you, Jenny, did you see I didn't even hesitate? <laughs> I was tempted, I was actually tempted to ask you what would be classified as sweet. Like maybe I should hear that definition first, but I don't no, know there's, I haven't lived yeah, it. <laughs> no. No, you describe spicy uh, very well, and that is uh, big emotions in our family. Um, I we I know we were going to talk about this, but um, I'm an empath for sure. My daughter Reese is an empath. Yeah. Um, um, my son Jackson's a super creative, um, and my husband Bryce is actually the stabilizer and the calm one and all of it. But um, and we're still trying to figure out little Bryce because he's he's still young. But we're we're full of spice. <laughs> we're still we're full of spice. I mean, there uh, are days where we say, ooh, we are extra caliente, or especially yeah. my youngest. I mean, she is, she's either, I mean, I mean, 
I really probably shouldn't share this, but even my dad, who's like Mickey Mouse, he is like the best dad, the <laughs> happiest person you will ever meet. And he looked at Annabelle when she was like three years old and was like, she's either going to be a CEO or she's going to be in jail. And I was like, let's really, let's really hope on this CEO. Like, <laughs> right? So, yes. And so we have said those same things about our children. <laughs> oh my God. And they're, they're, they're mixed between mom and dad, like completely. And then they're their own person, you know, and, and what they turn out to be, we, we will, we just don't know yet. But um, yeah, no, I think we definitely, as a family unit, I think we, we definitely lean towards spicy, but we do, we, you know, we are, we're all very kindred spirits. I think ultimately we all are, have a little bit of empath in us too. And, you know, it's a little mix. Something we were going to talk about, but how has being an empath, because I'm right there with you and I have struggled with this, but it's also been a blessing. How has being an empath been a blessing to you and how has it also been hard? Mm. So being an empath, one of my, my two strongest um, suits, something that I would love on my grave someday is just compassionate and empathetic. And those two qualities um, I definitely inherited from my mother. Um, and to feel so deeply um, about things provokes me to act on a lot of things. Um, we dabble in a lot of things in our community that um, are philanthropic, and um, but that all stems from my empathetic heart. Um, and so I, I, I feel like for the most part, um, between Reese and I, we're, we're huge empaths. We feel so deeply about a lot and that's where it becomes a challenge because of the last couple of years, I mean, between you and I, the last couple of years, um, like you said, you turn on the news, it can and send you right into a puddle. Um, I can't tell you how deeply, um, I wouldn't even know how to express it, how deeply I have felt the last couple of years. It's, um, it's been many peaks and valleys trying to figure out, I want to know what's going on in the world. I want to be, um, an asset and help and, and be one of those helpers that's always kind of trying to do the right thing and, and help others. But it's heavy stuff. There's points where I'm like, I, I think I mentally really need to turn these things off um, and just focus on my kids and what is right in front of me. Um, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge being an empath, but I wouldn't tra- trade it. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, you know, feeling so deeply makes me feel alive most of the times, you know, and that's whether I'm happy, mad, angry, yeah. frustrated, you feel sad, you know, right? it's like, I, I actually, you know, at this point in my life, I just, you know, just turned 41, but I want to know truth. I want to feel the emotions. I want to ride the waves. I don't want to be in a bubble. I don't want to pretend like, you know, life is perfect and everything's good and have my rosy colored glasses on. Like I want to feel. I want to feel it all. I want to get through all of it. I love that so much. And don't you feel like that is the best part of getting older? Yeah, for sure. Right? For sure. It's, for like, sure. it's almost the not giving any Fs anymore. Yeah. And just like, give me life. Let me yeah. enjoy it. Right? Yep. It's so true. I, I've called, um, I have a few really close friends that I walk with in the morning. And those are some of the times where I have the, the most depthful conversations. And I've always described the last two years as such a perfect storm, especially for an empath. Like, man, you're feeling everything that's going on around you. And um, what it's provoked me is to take action 
in my community and my family. It's provoked me in many ways to feel deeply and want more knowledge and truth all around me. Not just because the last few years I turned 40, there's a pandemic, there's all these things going on. I'm like, man, like, give me truth. That just gave me goosebumps. Honest to God, Mary Jo, that just gave me goosebumps because I had such like, as Oprah Oprah says, an aha moment of, I tend to want to retreat. Mm. And right when you said, like, to me, I want to feel safe. So I want to put a cozy blanket on and stay with Mm -hmm. my family and stay in my bedroom with a good book, right? And what you said is you want to go out and help and make a difference in your community. And that Mm -hmm. like almost makes me teary eyed that what if we all did that instead? Mm. Mm. What a different world we would live in. Yeah. I, this is something that I've actually been running through my head for a while now. Um, In the midst of everything that's going on in the world, um, this pandemic it's really hard. Um, what's connected us to social media, Instagram, and and what's hard for me to, I'm trying to figure out is how to show up on Port to Palm and, and market our house a little bit and still show the family as if nothing's changed. When in reality, the last two years, everything's changed. And so when I show up on the app as what I would be considered an influencer, even though I really can't stand that word and have never felt completely comfortable being an influencer. I would call I don't you an like, encourager, Mary. Yeah. I would call yeah. you an encourager. I haven't figured it out yet, but I, li- I like that. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to show up and not just conform to what I was doing three years ago or conform to what a lot of people are doing around me because my heart has never really been in that place. I've never felt like I'm a true influencer or someone... Um, I, I don't want to sell anybody products I, and I don't want to go back to this business as usual. And so I'm really trying to, over the last year or so, trying to figure out how to keep showing up on this app with this community that I've built with people like you and like me that are, have such huge hearts, how to really start showing up and promoting and, and, and um, influencing how to give to your community, how to like take action. Um, because every day I do little things and it's hard for me to show that, you know, it's hard for me to say, Oh, like, look what I'm doing now. Cause I don't, you know, but I, I have to co- become comfortable with, if I do start sharing more and more things that we, we do in the community that it will, all it will do will inspire the hearts of other people. Yeah. I, you know, I want to, the whole time I'm like nodding my head. Yes. Because I think I struggle with wanting when things don't feel safe outside of my home Mm -hmm. that's turning on the news or going on social media or whatever i tend to retreat right Mm -hmm. and i think a lot Mm -hmm. of people have felt this retreating feeling Mm -hmm. in the pandemic and just like sometimes i get encouraged or inspired by someone that's like working out or doing things I know if I went on your account and I saw ideas and how you're creative with helping people in the community, that is just going to be a ripple effect, Mary Jo, like inspiring others and also giving people ideas because I know there are people that are like, I just don't know what to do. Mm. I I don't know how to get involved. I don't know who to connect with. Right. I appreciate, I appreciate that. You know, I, it's like, I, I do, I do feel like anytime I do share things like that, it does create this ripple effect and it, that brings me more joy than anything is to see that I can create some sort of a ripple effect. Whereas in my community, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. And then people from all over 
are doing good in their communities, right? But that retreating feeling, I just want to acknowledge that retreating feeling that you're talking about. I've had that so many times too. And I think for the most part, a lot of change and good happens really within your home too, right? I mean, I've heard that over and over again. And that's where when the world really feels like it's spinning and it's out of control, that's the first thing I do too. It's usually the second or third thing that I that I'll think of is to, you know what, like put the boots back on, let's keep at it, you know, like, let's get back in the community and figure out how we can help and not just make our family great, but, you know, make the people around us great too. Yeah. Um, but it, it's always like a stepping stones, you know, it's never, my initial reaction too is also to, to get everybody home, get everybody safe, cook a nice meal, read books before bedtime. Yep. Yes. Yes, totally. Yes. Totally. Well, I am just here to encourage you. I know your, I know your heart just from following you and talking to you, and what a, a huge impact you have, and how people connect with you. I mean, even the idea of making—I don't even like the word campaign—but like throwing yeah. out this like idea of calling it ripple effect, and how mm-hmm. you know people can make an impact in their communities, and like throwing ideas out there. Okay, I could go on. Oh my God. I'm gonna, that one's good. That, I'm, gonna, I'm writing that one down in Sharpie. I love okay. that. I love that too. I, I love, love it that. too. Just as you were saying it. And um, it goes back to you saying even when you were younger, right? When MySpace started, like you just love yeah. connecting people. Yeah. What community can be made for good today? Mm-hmm. I think it's a funny. lot of people just don't know where to go for it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, I, I always go back to this. It's like care for the people that are right in your home and care for the people that are literally right in front of you. And so like there's been, there was multiple times over and I, and I really, really dislike sharing what I act, some things that I actually do, but there's little things over the past two years that if it was just showing up at my kid's school with a basket for the teachers or sh- uh, showing up at our local hospital for the nurses that were there, it was like always like, all right. I'm going to take care of the kids and I'm going to take care of those people that are just right in my community that just need a little something extra. And that's just like a small little idea of, of helping. Like if you really look at those people that are in the trenches, like taking care of, you know, our, you know, people in our community, those people are sometimes forgotten. It's like, man, those are the people that are like need the most support, you know? Oh my goodness. So, my sister yeah. is a respiratory therapist yes. and what she went through in COVID and what her work fellow workers, I mean, it, it just, could just make me cry just talking about it. Like I know. last, I mean, she was with people on their last breath all the mm-hmm. time in the last two years and how she held it together and was mm-hmm. able to like talk with these families and talk with these individuals. I mean, yeah, how we can still uplift them um, oh gosh, now I'm going down a rabbit hole. I know. Right. Well, I you know, when I think about those people, I think, you know, we, we hear, we see them on the news once in a while, you know, they're appreciating the nurses and the doctors through the pandemic and the teachers and, you know, all the people that were on that front line. And I know we're kind of really talking about pandemic um, timeline, but, um, you know, those people are always helping. They're always there helping always. and taking care of uh, us all the time, pre-pandemic, during pandemic, and, and still continuing, showing up every single day. Yeah. I'm like, man, like, those are like earth angels, like, right? They really are, because I think about just what I was talking about with retreating, and I recognize my ability to be able to retreat is a privilege. Yeah, that oh is, gosh. Yeah. That is 100% yeah. a 
a privilege that I recognize and don't take for granted because guess what? Those people could not retreat Mm -hmm. and they chose Mm -hmm. not to, which is, Mm -hmm. I feel like we could have a whole nother podcast system on this. Um, Let's jump ship a little bit and change topics. And you and your husband seem to have such a fun relationship. You share a little bit about your love story and what advice would you give any newlyweds today? Mm, okay. Well, um, I think we, when we, before we, you hit record, yeah. we talked a little yeah. bit, but um, about peaks and valleys, yeah. right? And um, I, I shared with you that I listened, I just listened to a podcast yesterday just about marriage and it was, uh, it was um, about divorce too. And um I felt so connected to this specific podcast um, because in my marriage, yes, we do have fun. Yes, we are madly in love. We've been together for 18 years. Our love story has so many beautiful chapters, but we absolutely have valleys um, just like everybody else or or maybe people don't have valleys like we do, but we have some valleys and they're fucking deep. They're deep valleys. They're treacherous. um, And the pandemic has challenged us more than we've ever been challenged. And I'm, I'm kind of unafraid to say that. I mean, it's, I think a lot of people are struggling in their marriages um, and we don't speak about it enough, those valleys, right? And I think there's a huge part of me that shares a lot about my fun marriage and only that side of it on social media. And so to say openly like, man, yeah, it is fun. Yeah, we are madly in love. Yeah, we've been together for 18 years. Yes, we have three beautiful kids. Man, I could just match it hand in hand with a lot of the valleys that we've been in and and I I can but it's it's not always that it's not always fun we have we have been challenged this pandemic and um we go to our marriage therapist every Wednesday night and if I had any advice to give to anybody we started when we first got married we did a marriage course at our church yeah and I swear to god this was, this was 16 years ago. There are stuff that we learned in that marriage course. It was like an eight week course. We'd go there, we'd listen to scripture. We'd have a a dinner, they would do a dinner. And then we'd listen to um, the pastor speak afterwards. There are things in that marriage course that we learned, which is time spent together away from the children, away from the noise. There are things that we learned over and over again in that eight weeks that we carry with us 18 years later. It's so crazy. I'm like, man, if I could give anybody advice, I'd say if there's, whether you're having issues, not issues, you just got married, you're newlyweds, like take a course. Like they almost equipped us with some tools that carried us through our first 18 years. And, um, and so that's one thing. And and one of the things in that course was time spent together away from everything. So like having a a, uh, weekly date night where you literally, you have, you make it priority over everything else. Um, and so we, we did that. We've been doing that faithfully, um, for a long time. So that's something that's kept the the fire alive a little bit, but we, you know, we, uh, Bryce and I are, have been madly in love since the moment we met, which is wild. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, we're just, we're just, I hate to use soulmates, but we, it's, yeah, we oh, are like, that's a um, beautiful thing and something you should be yeah. so proud of. And I truly think that every marriage has valleys. Yeah. Talk yeah. About it, every marriage has valleys. Yeah. But what I'm hearing you is you both are intentional to still make the marriage a priority. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes think 
that in today's society, especially with social media and whatnot, you know, people put these images out there and there can be a misconception that marriage doesn't take work. And it absolutely takes work. It takes intentionality mm -hmm. and commitment mm -hmm. and all of these things that are so important to a relationship. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people will deeply connect with that. Yeah, I, th I think you're right, though, too, when, when not enough people talk about the valleys. I know I don't. You know, I'm hesitant to do that. I'm hesitant to open up my box of, of issues, whether it be my health issues or, or things. You know, there's issues across the board, just like every other family across the world. But, you know, one thing that I, what I've always thought um, about Bryce and I in our, our marriage is that we are committed, right? Um, and that is something that it's, I, I think that word alone committed, like committed is like that ride or die, that loyalty, like you are committed through good times and bad, through sickness and in health, you are committed. And that's to me is like, sometimes that's where people, you know, it's very easy to just kind of say it's getting really hard and, and we don't want to do this. And, and I have to say this because this is something not just for newlyweds, but newlyweds that are thinking about building a family. And my two sisters, one older, one my older sister, my younger sister, just had babies. Well, not babies. They're 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 a little bit older now, three and three and five. But it will never, I will never forget how hard it was when we started having kids. You're in the honeymoon phase. You just got married. Everything's good and well. You're sitting at the table. There's candles on the table. And all of a sudden, you have a kid. It's like. The tablecloth is ripped up. All the plates go flying in the air. And you're like, what just happened? And then you have another kid. And, and, and it's, it's just having children is a challenge. It, it's the most beautiful blessing in the world. But it is hard. It's hard. It is and, um, so hard. And it's a lot of work. And those first few years, especially if you don't have a good sleeper, like those first few years of having little ones is hard. And so stay committed stay in it fight for it that is try your best and i know everybody's trying their best but get through those first few years those first five six seven years i promise you like not easy street will come but like if nothing massive is happening and and you know all these other issues that can really really hurt a marriage but like if it's really just everybody's tired, it's really, really hard, just try to push through those first few years because they are, they are so hard. I know it. I've been there. Yeah. And so sometimes I look back, I say to Bryce a lot, we, I, we can't believe that we made it through those first few, you know, those first, those early years. Yeah. We can't believe we made it through it. It was like, that. it was really, really hard. Yeah, it was really hard. And I feel you so deeply on that. I remember my oldest was three and we had just had a baby and I remember just crying to my husband and saying I just feel so invisible right now mm. not that I didn't love my kids not that I didn't love him and I loved the life we were building and all of that and we mm -hmm. were healthy and we had so many good things but I just started feeling like I was invisible, not because of anything he was doing, but just because we were trying to keep all the plates going, mm -hmm. right? There's mm -hmm. so much, and mm -hmm. that's a new feeling of mm -hmm. all of a sudden you have love focused on your kids so much too that you kind of are like, okay, I'm still here. Are you still here? Let's go <laughs> back, right? 
Yeah. This new identity of being a mom and being a dad in the marriage that was always first is maybe last. You know, there's so many adjustments, so many adjustments. And I always tell my sisters, I tell them all the time, slowly you'll, you'll reset the table and you'll start setting the plates and everything back at the table. And you'll, eventually you'll be able to actually sit at that table again. And it, like, you know, maybe there's going to be some kids knocking over cups or whatever, but like, you'll, you'll get there. The table will be reset. You'll, you'll have like a little bit of smooth sailing, but like, yeah, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot to figure out in those first few years. Like, you know, being a mom, being a dad, managing a marriage, raising kids, you know, managing jobs, it's managing the world around us. Man, the plate is heavy, heavy. No kidding, right? You keep know, going. I say keep going. Just keep going. You guys got this, but this is why these conversations are so important. And I think I said this before we even started recording, but this is the whole point of the podcast is to make people feel like they're not alone mm -hmm. and that we are all struggling in some area of our life. And the more that we can have authentic conversations about it, I think the better off we all are. Mm -hmm. Um, I know recently you have shared a little bit about your healing journey with yourself and your body mm -hmm. and all of that. Could you kind of share what that journey has looked like? Yeah, I have. Um, I am in the process of, of um, pursuing healing for Lyme disease, which I, I don't share it super publicly on social media, on my, my, my social media platform. I, I dabble in it a little bit. Um, but I have been um, fighting Lyme disease for over four years now. I've been seeking and searching healing um, of all forms, <laughs> Western medicine, Eastern medicine, holistic, um, naturopathic, all the different medicines I've, I've, I'm in search of healing right now. Um, about two years ago, I was, at, um, I was very, very ill. Um, and that was, uh, previous to that was two years of not knowing why I was so ill. And two years ago, I switched to a doctor, um, a functional medicine doctor that ended up testing me and, and really running the gauntlet on um, a lot of things. And, and Lyme disease was the most predominant. And so now I know two years later, four years later, I know that I'm dealing with Lyme disease. I've been through several treatments for it on antibiotics, herbals. Um, I do a, an array of other treatments to be able to manage my symptoms. Yeah. It's been, um, when we talked about a perfect storm earlier, this it, having Lyme disease on top of um, turning 40, on top of a pandemic, on top of a few other things has really been an eye opener for me. It's really um, taught me a lot about time. Um, I have been very fearful um, because this Lyme disease has kicked my ass in sort of a way, but um, I'm on a journey of healing. I have massive hope. I'm such a fighter. That um, I have no problem, um, you know, waking up every day and continuing the fight. And I hope someday what I hope for this, I, you know, I, I shared with you earlier about Ryan Sutter and how he's giving me a lot of hope in his writing about Lyme disease. But he wrote something the other day, just said that his struggle or anybody's struggle should never be in vain. And so like I, I've attached myself to the statement and in four years of suffering from Lyme disease, I've attached myself to the statement is that this is not, not in vain and that eventually I will heal and then I will be able to help other people figure out their healing journey. Um, that's all I can hope for. Right now, I, I, I feel like partially I don't share a lot about um, what I'm experiencing because I, haven't ha I don't have it all figured out. And right now it's taking all of me to just focus on myself yeah. Um, and healing myself versus um, putting it out there 
And, um, and then being a resource for other people, I can't be that just yet. Um, I have to just kind of stay on my own journey and it sounds selfish to say that, but I, I can't be a resource for other people just yet. Um, but I have massive hope that, that, um, I'm going to kick Lyme to the curb at some point and then be, and then be a resource for other people to, to be able to get through it. You know, even just sharing about it now, um, with you, you know, it's not like I wouldn't want anybody to reach out to me if they are struggling with it. Um, right now is just taking a lot, a lot of my energy to get, get my own solutions. Yeah. So anyone that deals with chronic, any type of disease, first of all, you're a warrior because that is something that you deal with on a daily basis. I have an autoimmune disease as well. And it is Mm -hmm. your butt sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so props to anyone that is dealing with mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. deals with it on a daily basis. You are seen, you are heard, you are mm-hmm. worthy. And I think it's so important to find the support that you need so that mm-hmm. you don't feel alone in mm-hmm. it because it can be a lonely place when you mm-hmm. don't feel good or feel like, why can't I fix my way out of feeling like this? Mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing that with me and sharing me with that you go through that too. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you, you have autoimmune disease too. I mean, I, I, I know the struggle so well. And four years ago at 38 years old, I, I was the, what I thought was the epitome of health. And so I'm on the other spectrum of it now. And it's really been one of the biggest eye openers of my life to, to know, uh, to experience not feeling well every day and to advocate over and over, over again for myself. And I'm still not feeling well. You know, it's like, it's, I'm putting in the work and the time to figure this out. And, and when you talk about being a warrior, I'm like, no, I'm not, but I'm like, man, I, I, you are. I have to, it's, it's almost like I need courage to say, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm part of, I'm part of this, this group of people that's, that suffers from autoimmune disease yeah. and it's, it's a little bastard, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yep. when you know, you know, when you don't know, you don't know. And I always describe it too. It's like, it's like when you, when you don't have kids, it's really like, you don't know the madness. And then when you do, you're like, you're part of the club where you're like, it's the best blessing in the world, but it really is like, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot of work and, and um, you're part of that club. Right. And um, this, this, this um, health journey that I'm on is I'm part of the club. And, and, and to be honest with you, when I say that it's brought me more clarity, that's what struggle does. Like that is the one thing that it has taught me and I'm not shying away from it. This struggle that I'm going through with my health has brought me knowledge. It's brought me clarity. It's brought me all of that. And it's almost like I wouldn't sounds off. It sounds weird. Cause I wish I wasn't going to, but I'm, I'm kind of happy. I'm going through it. Not happy. I don't know if that's the right word, but I don't know. It's, it's been a, an odd blessing. It's been an odd blessing in my life. Yeah. You know, thank you for sharing that. I know it's yeah. not easy to talk about as well. Yeah. As we close today, Mary Jo, what is your heart wish for our listeners to hear? Mm. You tell me yours first. <laughs> <laughs> I think I always go back to you're not alone. Whatever mm. you're struggling with, you're not alone. And I would encourage others to share your vulnerability and to share whatever you're struggling with because guaranteed somebody else is. And Mm -hmm. that 
true connection and friendship and love and a life worth living is about finding your people, right? Mm. And sharing those mm-hmm. experiences with. And we can't find our people unless we are our authentic selves. So mm-hmm. not to be afraid to show up who you are and what you struggle with and what your authentic self is saying and being. Mm. Jenna, can we end with that? I can't, I can't, I mean, yeah, that alone. Absolutely. That is exactly what I would hope that people would take from this and, and all that you share before and after this in your podcast. I mean, this has been a blessing to be on here and talk to you and, and get to know each other better. I mean, we're, we're in the same boat, we're going in the same direction. We all are, right? Yeah, absolutely. We don't know it sometimes. Well, thank you for being on the show today, Mary Jo, and sharing your heart. And just to our listeners, a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Jenna Schneider Coaching. And if you have any questions or concerns, please feel free to reach out. Where can our listeners find you, Mary Jo? Um, <laughs> on social media, Instagram, at Port to Palm. Um, I'm on it a little bit less than I, I normally am, but that is where where I do show up. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here and thank you for listening to our show today.